Hit Pause with SAPDC. I'm Rick Gilson, Executive Director of the Southern Alberta Professional Development Consortium, SAPDC, and in this episode I'm joined by Rayanne Holleran, Assistant Superintendent of Schools with the Grassland Public Schools in southeastern Alberta, and Julie Stern, educator, presenter, and author of Tools for Teaching Conceptual Understanding, Designing Lessons and Assessments for Deep Learning, both the elementary and secondary editions. And this April, Julie's third book, Visible Learning for Social Studies K-12, will be released. Julie's work focuses on supporting teachers as they strive to make sense of learning transfer and teaching from a conceptual point of view. Julie is the lead behind the website Education to Save the World, which can be accessed at ed2savetheworld.com. I might suggest that her website title gives us all a peek at the level of passion and urgency Julie feels for the work. Rayanne Holleran and Grasslands Public Schools have worked with Julie over the past two years with multiple in-person sessions and countless online visits with individual groups from schools across the division in their pursuit of teaching for conceptual understanding and transfer. With that, let's take a listen to our visit together from Monday, March 8, 2020 in Brooks, Alberta. I will say this was the first time with the full headphone studio-like atmosphere for Rayanne and Julie, so there is a very special, could-not-resist, few seconds of music fame at the end of our visit. I hope you enjoy this conversation with some outstanding educational leaders. Julie, welcome to sunny Alberta. Awesome. It's great to be here. Thank you. And Rayanne, Assistant Superintendent with uh, Grassland School District, thank you for hosting this today and inviting us to join as Julie just spent the day working with the great teachers in Grasslands. Thank, thank you very much. Our teachers had a fantastic day working with Julie today, and I'm excited to be here. Outstanding. So we're going to have an a open kind of conversation. We're going to start out with a what's your why question. When you think about the work in Grasslands, uh, Rayanne, or your work all over the world, Julie, with teachers all over the world, what's the why behind encouraging people to explore a concept-focused approach to teaching and learning? My why would be ensuring that our students are active thinkers in the classroom, and I really want to engage them in the process of thinking. And the work that Julie does allows us to be able to do that, and that'll transfer into great skills that they can take outside the classroom and beyond grade 12. Thank you. Julie? Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad to hear you say that, Rayanne. I mean, for me, that you, you use the word transfer, which, which is my focus as of late. So concepts allow students to transfer their learning across situations. And so that's, that's my why. I'm always thinking about what the world's going to look like when this current generation of children graduate not only from high school, but maybe from career and te- technical education, from college. What's the world going to look like? And that's my why, is how do we prepare them for what's beyond, what's next, what's happening that we can't even quite see yet. Yes, you used a slide with your sons and talked about that and we had a little conversation at lunch around I've got a grandson that's a year or I guess almost not a year and a half old and he doesn't graduate from high school until something like 2036. He won't graduate from university until sometime 2040. He won't 
if retirement is still a concept after 30 years in the workforce or whatever, it won't be until 2070, 2075. If he can learn how to transfer his knowledge to new and different settings, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. And uh, the sort of older, traditional kind of learn this, regurgitate this, move on, that's just not going to... That's not going to cut it. The why is pretty critical at that level, I think. Mm -hmm. Never mind him. Uh, at some point, he's going to have kids. Right. Absolutely. This, this is foundational for all of that. That's awesome. Um, so what is a concept-focused education, Julie? You know, when you, when you talk about concept attainment, uh, one of the exercises you recommend for teachers is, is looking at examples of what is and what is not a concept. And maybe for the purpose of this conversation, what are the, some of the things that people would say, yep, that's very much taking a, a concept-focused or a concept-based approach to your teaching. That might not quite be, like examples for and, and maybe not. For me, the most important thing is helping students to see how the world is organized. And so a classroom where teachers have specific strategies, and as Rayanne mentioned, making sure students are thinking. So an, an example would be a classroom where there's a concept wall, and students are interacting with that wall. They're seeing how the different words that we use in the curriculum are organized. A non-example would be a teacher asking students to memorize things, and students have no idea about why this memorization is useful why they need to memorize these things and memorization is one of those things that I think it's really about when in the learning journey it occurs so I still do think there are things students need to memorize it's usually in my opinion after they've turned on the brain they've started to think about why they're they're studying what it is that they're studying they're using their learning to understand how the world is organized and then now we want to pause and do some some drills and some things that students need for automaticity they need for fluency they need to have memorized on the tip of their tongue I really appreciate the, your slide that you show with all the sticky notes all in a pile and if that's all the facts and memorization that they need and it's all in one heap it's hard to pull out when students need it the most and then you show the file folders and they need to organize those concepts so they can readily pull them out when they need it and transfer that to different situations and engage in their thinking Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Finding the patterns, the associations, things of those that they're able to make connections. This is like, oh, that's where I would use. Um, I heard this on the news today. Is that like when, when you're able to have those kinds of conversations, make those connections, things matter? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and they hold on longer, I think. Yes, it's great when teachers are able to share about the teaching that they're doing after being in a session with Julie and just having those kids relate different things together and that now they're in math and they're talking about something that they talked about in science class. Is that like this? Then they're in language arts. Is that like this? So they're pulling it all together and making sure their learning is useful and practical and they can apply it to different situations just had a thought um, literacy across the curriculum a little bit of a side piece here but mm -hmm. the, the 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 concept we were talking about was well phys ed teachers were being kind of resistant to the idea of literacy across the curriculum in phys ed what do you mean and uh, 
I was a social studies teacher. Julie was a social studies teacher as well. There's a concept in World War I around no man's land. Okay, so what is no man's land? How would you define it in the whole bit? And the phys ed teacher goes, there's no man's land in tennis, too. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, so the concept of no man's land means this in World War I. Mm -hmm. The term, the words, the literacy around it, we understand that there. What is it in tennis? And Well, if you're standing in no man's land, you can't win the point. You will lose every time. You will die. Mm -hmm. Okay, so and then so now there's connections, transference, all the pieces. When you talk about what uh, is and is not, it's very interesting. Like you said, memorization is important. Knowledge and skills they play a key role. There's nothing mm -hmm. being tossed out the window in this. It's it's building upon. Do you think that that's one example of a? pretty significant misunderstanding as people start their work down this path? Absolutely. That's one of the, the most important myths that, that I clarify in my workshops and, and in a lot of the, the work that I do with teachers is often people, there's this debate whether or not we have to teach students sort of the, the basics versus the big ideas. So um, we have to think about, are we going to teach students facts or are we going to teach students concepts? And you can't have one without the other. I think either extreme is doing a disservice to our students. And so that's really important that we help teachers to see and we also help our parents to see and of course we help our students to see that facts are understood through this or sort of better able to, to remember them and to relate them to other things through these organizing concepts and concepts are only understood by looking at these facts or these examples. And so the, the these two things have a very important um, sort of relationship between them and we don't we can't have one without the other. I think that's a really important myth and that's that's related to sort of um, skills or procedural knowledge. We want students to, to read and write. We also want them to understand and why they're they're choosing the choices that they're choosing, or the author of text that they're reading, or ch it chose the choices that they chose. Um, and even in mathematics, we want them to do mathematics. We also want them to understand why they do what they do in mathematics. Why? So that they can transfer their understanding to new situations. They can apply it in new situations. If we're able to understand why we're doing what we're doing which to me is a big focus of, of concepts and conceptual understanding, then they're able to better do the things that we want them to do. It's very reassuring as well when Julie comes and works with our teachers that we don't throw everything out. That message is quite clear. But we strengthen and we move on in our concept planning. And the slide you showed today where two classrooms, one's kind of the traditional and one's moving towards the concept-based classroom, and you have to jump between the two because those skills and knowledge, that's very important. But in order to get to that deeper understanding, you have to have both within your classroom. And again, it's good that teachers know that everything they've done to this point is still useful. We're just making some some I changes. think you're getting at, too, that one of the problems that I'm trying to solve is students forgetting what it is that we taught them. They either forget or they misunderstand what it is that we teach them. And so, so many teachers know that we have to repeat, we have to reteach, we have to do this again because they lacked the, the real depth of understanding either last school year or last month or even last week or sometimes even yesterday. Um, and so what I see is I want teachers to understand that I'm helping them to sort of frame what they 
already do well. What I also see, and this is why I sort of say, just try these strategies, just try them this week, because I'm trying to be really accessible. Because what happens time and time again is that when teachers start playing with this, students stop forgetting. They start to really grasp what it is that they're trying to, that we want them to understand. They start making those connections to other classes or to lessons that happened yesterday, last month, last year. Students retain information and they start making those connections. And so then teachers have more time. And so sometimes I say it's like an investment up front, but in the end, almost like on your health. Like if you eat well, at first you exercise, it might take more time, but then you know what, you're gonna get sick less. So you're gonna overall have more time in your life. Yeah. One of our teachers 20 years in has said, being able to plan this way and see the conversations and where students are at now in the classroom has rejuvenated the teaching. So after 20 years, just something different has enabled them to be more energized. That's that's what keeps me going when those the 3 a.m. wake up call because I have to go catch a flight somewhere or something like that. That's those when those veteran teachers say that to me, because I get a lot of, you know, 30 year olds, 35 year olds who are like, yeah, yeah, this is awesome. This is so great. When I get those teachers to come up to me and say, Julie, I've been teaching for decades and you have lit a fire in me. You have really made me think about ways that I can really enhance my teaching. That's what, that's what I love that. Those are, those are my moments that keep me going for sure. This is interesting. I think uh, to the learning pit, mm-hmm. uh, James Notting, Nottingham's mm-hmm. learning pit, and he talks about the eureka moment. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole idea, uh, which is very concept-centric, uh, uh, of s- students having to go down and work their way through what is this concept all about. And for me, teachers don't even necessarily recognize they're in the learning pit. Mm-hmm. They're trying to figure out what is this concept all about. They're mm-hmm. wrestling with it. And when they get it and that light switch goes and they have that eureka moment, it's a little bit like, okay, now I've experienced it. Oh, now I see it in your eyes as a student and I'm off to the races. You know, the importance of facts is still there. I'm, I use, uh, when I'm presenting, uh, a little clip of um, Stand and Deliver. When Jaime Escalante is first teaching his class, it's one of the first couple of days, first couple of scenes, and he's teaching them a negative times a negative is a positive. Mm -hmm. And he's got the whole class repeating it. And I get everybody that's in my session repeating, a negative times a negative is a positive. Say it. A negative times a negative is a positive. Say it. A negative louder. A negative times a negative is a positive. Why? And in the scene, like I say to the teachers, the second he said why, the memorization stopped and the curiosity around the concept started. Didn't mean they understood the concept. Mm-hmm. That's going to follow. Mm-hmm. He's going to do a whole bunch of different pieces to get there. But he put something out there that it wasn't important to be able to say a negative times a negative equals a positive. We were going to break into song on that because we love to <laughs> set up so much. But now they are curious, thirsty, to understand why and then be able to connect that moving forward. It's a great little 
That's, yeah. a, that's a great example of a, a non-conceptual approach to a classroom is memorization, um, just re repeating, repeating oh, after yeah. the teacher. And that's that's so important. What, what you're getting at there is the importance of surface level learning done well. And that's what to me is the concept attainment, um, the index cards, the concept cards that I'm always emphasizing in my workshops with the SEEI strategy. Um, those are the things that we're, we're making sure that students are understanding the concepts and all of these facts organized in concepts before we try to get to deep learning and before we try to transfer. And it doesn't mean that we have to get them to repeat without turning on their brains. It means that we're using organizing concepts to sort of help them see how the world is structured. Absolutely. One of the things that staff has said is for high school students, when you question the why, they will stop because we've trained them just to memorize. So going into this new framework of how you plan and teach, it's some hard work for the students as well because they need to be active and they need to know how to question and find that out. That's absolutely right. One of the things I, I see often over and over again, a pattern, if you will, in my work with teachers is that sometimes the straight A students, the students who score really well, are the ones who resist sort oh, of yeah. immediately at first because they've, they've gotten really good at the game of school. They've gotten really good at memorizing without really understanding why they're doing what they're doing. And so oftentimes you'll, teachers will tell me that sort of my quote unquote best students are the ones who sort of resist a little bit at first. And some of the students who, who probably aren't good at just straight memorizing are the ones who are saying, wow, I get it now. Thank you for making me think before um, I have to memorize something. So that's just an interesting thing that kind of keeps happening. But not surprising. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, anytime we challenge the norm and, and you've sailed all along, it's like outcomes-based reporting. <laughs> you, we're, I'm, but wait, I'm a 92 student. Well, what did the 92 mean? I don't know, but I was 92 and everybody else was below me. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, but have you mastered it? Uh, do you understand? You know, very similar kind of test or press back from some folks. And yet, as you, you've indicated in the conversation, is indicated that deeper understanding, that ability to make that connection, puts them in a much better position to take new learning. Mm -hmm. And we're all big believers that learning is going to continue as long as we're breathing, mm -hmm. or should, uh, that you can take new learning and do something more with it. And that's foundational to this. Mm -hmm. But as you said, in terms of busting myths, facts are important. Yes. Um, of course, understanding when a fact is true, that that's a whole nother. Yes. So So-called facts are false news, fake news, all of that that's going on today. Goodness gracious. There's no end to the fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, let's turn our attention a little bit. To one of the strengths that I observe in this, and every time I hear you speak or I, I, any of the books that I've worked my way through, um, the learning in this is very much an iterative process. We work towards fostering through this model uh, a bit of a passion for lifelong learning, curiosity that's going to carry us through all the things that we're going to go through in life. We talked about that a little bit earlier in the whys. What would you say is, is uh, to the notion of conceptual mastery or for that matter that there's a finite number of concepts? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, one of the main things that I want teachers to help students understand is that life is extraordinarily complex. And I think one of the things that we sort of 
we maybe do that we don't really mean to do is oversimplify life for students. Like this is what it is, um, but it's not that simple. And so what we want to do is sort of revisit some some concepts over and over again and sort of um, almost complicate students' understanding of what these things are. And so, it's, you know, that's definitely true in the humanities, but it's also true in math and science that this, this idea that we have about the way in which the world works is not always true. And we want to present situations to students where they have to apply their learning, they have to maybe even refine their learning from one situation to the next. And so one of the examples that I like to use with that is looking at these sort of really fundamental and powerful concepts that r really repeat over and over again. So for example, in social studies, power is an example of a concept that we don't want to study once and then we're done with it. In fact, every time we look at a new social studies situation, the question of power, who has the power, how do they wield that power, is a question that we probably want to ask every time that we look at a new situation in social studies. One example of that for science might be energy. Every time that we look at sort of a new situation in science, we might want to look at the concept of energy. Where is energy uh, playing a role here? How is it how is it interacting with other concepts? Those are those fundamental and powerful concepts that we want to keep revisiting over and over again. And the other thing is to think about all of these disciplines in sort of this larger idea. So for language arts, it's about communication. It's about what is it that we're trying to say? How are we trying to say it? Or how are we receiving the information from another person? It's all about communication. And so we can sort of continue, we can look at sort of more specific concepts um, in different grade levels, but there's these larger ones that we wanna keep revisiting and we want students to sort of deepen and refine their understanding of these because they're not just like a definition. This Then it becomes like this rote memorization we were talking about before where they're just repeating the definition of a concept, but they learn to see that it's actually a lot more complicated than it with their, their seven-year-old version of these ideas is more complicated than their 12-year-old version is more complicated, hopefully, than their 16-year-old version of a lot of these ideas. I absolutely agree. The more a student's brain develops, the older they get and experience their world, they can learn different ideas about a concept and how that relates to their world. I think it works so well with young kids. Right now my son is, and we all know it as, as parents whenever our kids are little, and sort of um, my son is five, so he's definitely understanding the idea of fairness. But his five-year-old brain of what is fair is very simple. And so I have to, I tell him, I'm very honest with him about that. I say, Alex, look, for you, fair means exactly the same. So he's going through this little phase right now. He has a brother who's four. So of course, everything is, is a competition between the two little boys. But if I say good job to one of them on something, then Alex wants me to say good job to him, even though he didn't even do anything. And I'm like, that's not fairness. Um, and so I think even when kids are little, we have to, we, we see their understanding of these concepts grow and increase in sophistication as they get older, as they learn more, as they experience more. And I think we can do a better job than we, we typically do in organizing our teaching and our learning experiences for our students and letting them see how, whoa, what you thought was your understanding of this was, it wasn't wrong. It's just, it's just not, it's, it's pretty simple. We want to show you how you can get a depth of understanding, how you can have an expansive understanding each time that we revisit this in a new situation. So any concept can effectively be addressed at the level of development for that time. Uh, 
economics mm -hmm. can be addressed at a very early age, mm -hmm. first tooth out, mm -hmm. we're going to have a conversation about <laughs> economics. The tooth fairy, yeah. This, the tooth fairy, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. I lost a tooth, therefore I get money. Okay, let's have, a, <laughs> let's have a, okay, that's a little different than I've just given you an hour of my time and now I get this amount of money mm -hmm. or whatever as, as it comes through and cycles through. So the concern I've got is that, you know, folks might occasionally come to think, I covered this in, in this grade. We had a conversation around this concept. We don't need to revisit that concept. And yet we mature. I, I'm thinking, uh, again, I'm like you're a humanities person. And I'm thinking, uh, hero, mm -hmm. good and evil. But mm -hmm. let's say the hero and, and the good guy. Mm -hmm. That's one thing in my early readers. Um, that's a whole different thing in The Outsiders mm -hmm. in grade nine, or a yet another different thing when I'm reading um, The Hate You Give mm -hmm. uh, in, a, in a high school setting. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I love the notion that we open the door with this to get deeper, nuanced understanding and build. Now, we are uh, talking before we started, uh, motion. For a newborn, motion is not really sure why the hand just went in front of his face. Mm -hmm. You know, he's just laying on his back and his hand's flopping around and maybe his hand even hits himself and he's a little startled. You know, what did I just do? That's a whole different deal. And then he sees the other siblings or parents are moving. He starts to move or she starts to move. And then, well, there that walking thing looks a little easier. Okay, move, go, learn how to walk, learn how to run. Bounce a ball. So I, I learned how to bounce a ball. Right, Randy played basketball? Absolutely. So left hand, right hand dribble? Right. And you got that down pretty good? I do. And then you watch Steph Curry dribble and you think... Uh, oh, I have a little to learn about body movements. <laughs> <laughs> Mine didn't quite do the same thing. No, no, it didn't. And try as I might, yep. two hand dunks were not coming to me. You know, there's, it's just... People should be embracing it, not afraid of the notion, yeah, we're coming back to this, but we're not redoing, we're adding to, we're going deeper. And the notion of near and far transfer of that knowledge comes into play. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think what you're touching on is something that we're very explicit with in our books. And chapter two is about building thinking classrooms. And, and we say it's important to say to students. What you're touching on is making me think it's important to say to adults sometimes yeah. that learning is not, we may have thought of learning as do I know it, do I not know it? And that is not truly what learning is. Learning is how well do I know it? How deeply do I know it? How how um, sort of wide do I know it? And can I apply it to new situations? And that's something that I see a lot in the research about college readiness. So one of the authors I look to is David Connolly, who's got two books called College Knowledge and College and Career Ready. And he's interviewed professors and now also in his college and career ready, he's also interviewed uh, sort of bosses in, in, out in the, in, in the field. And what we're finding over and over again is that kids know stuff. That when they get to college, they know stuff. Or when they graduate even from high school or or college, they know things, they just can't do anything with it. That's the idea of transfer. Can students apply their learning in new and novel situations? And so if we just teach them to memorize without any understanding about why it is they're, they're memorizing what it is they're memorizing or 
or able to do whatever it is they're they're able to do, then they're not able to transfer it to new situations. And that may have suited us in in sort of the, the 19th century, the 20th century. It's not suiting us for the 21st century. Students have to be able to use their learning in new ways to apply it in new situations. And so when we take a conceptual approach, they're much better able to apply it to new situations. And that that's what we're trying to do. So when you mentioned near and far, that's essentially the research on transfer says there's simple transfer and then there's more complex transfer and what I try to do with teachers is make them intentionally transfer to simple situations read a text see how the concepts apply how do they play out read another text that's very similar to that one that we read um, but where how do the concepts play out what's sort of what's the nuance what's different and then read a very different text or maybe look at a video or maybe look at a commercial or maybe look at a movie so that's an example of more far or more dissimilar transfer we want students to apply their learning in increasingly different ways so that they're able to perform in college and in in their lives and have this lifelong learning that we all aspire to. I'll just jump in there because listening to Julie, she makes it sound so <laughs> simple and so easy. However, that's part of our ongoing work with our teachers and they will say this is hard. Mm -hmm. And it's just great to be able to work with Julie because she will review their planning, give them feedback and let them know how to do that transfer of the simple tasks and the more complex tasks as we kind of work through this process. It's not that simple but we're kind of working together in the process. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that because I started, I started to joke that Grasslands is one of my VIP school divisions that I work with, but I've, I work with schools all around the world and I repeatedly go back, I do video conferences, I do a lot of, I, like you said, feedback on their actual curriculum documents, their plans, their unit plans, their lesson plans, and that's when the rubber meets the road. That's when teachers are going, Oh, I see how this works for band or music. I see how this works for PE, as you mentioned earlier. Um, when you when you work with teachers, it's not just a one day workshop and then you're you're done. It has to be this ongoing thing where they're trying a little bit, they're dabbling, and then we push them a little bit more. They try a little bit, we dab they dabble, we'll push them a little bit more. That's that's the only way yep. to do this. We can't do it all in one day. And at the beginning, we weren't comfortable sharing our documents with Julie Stern. And now it's just got to be kind of elbow to elbow. You help us out all the time. And there's no judgment. Like we, all of our lessons weren't great to start with. And we're moving towards some incredible work. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're shareable for sure. Yes. For sure. Which is, is really important to acknowledge and acknowledge as well that the lesson plans I built in the fall of 1985 as a first-year teacher when dinosaurs freely roamed the land, and not, <laughs> not quite, but, but still, those lesson plans and the lessons even three years later were different than three, you know, we learn. Mm -hmm. we, we should be embracing the learning opportunities that these present, mm -hmm. and that's, that's all right. Mm -hmm. you know, I, and, you know, you, you ponder around... If I can accept the notion that I need to keep on learning, it's a lot easier for me to be empathetic with my students who are mucking around in the concept pit trying to, or the learning pit trying to figure things out as well. So it, it's, it's a win-win, particularly because it gives a sense of, I can figure this out. Mm -hmm. Uh, that might not come so easy if I can just 
remember the, the memory rhyme or whatever the case may be. You know, you, you talked about that learning or taking our learning and applying it in different settings a, around poetry earlier today mm -hmm. uh, or anything that we read and we think about. And then we look at it and how we might write it uh, or write a story. And then here we've written, now we need to give a, a talk. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think you can see examples of people who were able to read some poetry at some point in their life, think a little bit in a poetic way at another point in their life, write now with a poetic lilt to their writing, and then speak with that same rhythm and cadence and putting in some appropriate metaphor similes in their writing. You, you take a look at some of Martin Luther King Jr.'s work or mm -hmm. some of Obama's uh, speeches that come to mind, and there's poetry laced all the way mm -hmm. through that if the person wants to look for it. Mm -hmm. But they transferred their learning all the way through to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you say, oh, I never thought it would quit that way. Well, it's there. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, you want to... You want a harrowing emotional experience? Just read the passage from To Kill a Mockingbird when the crowd in the upper deck, the uh, folks in the upper deck tell uh, Scout to stand up because mm -hmm. her dad's leaving. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's talk about the concept of respect mm. inside a little passage. Whoa, what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, now apply that here, here, and here. Those are the kinds of things. Absolutely, we can do. I think I'm glad you brought up even just a passage, um, because that that's something that I think oftentimes teachers feel like, oh, if I get a transfer, I don't have time to do that. And so I'm always encouraging teachers to find uh, quick little videos, find stories in the news, find just passages of a text or a poem, um, find a song, different ways that we can transfer learning that doesn't take a huge amount of time, so that students become good at transferring and applying their learning to new situations uh, yeah absolutely and and model that model mm -hmm. that for your students you know, we were having a conversation years ago around sincerity and insincerity mm -hmm. and I don't know why but uh, I don't know what scene and act it is right now but Hamlet is in the room and Claudius is in the room Hamlet's out of his King Claudius's line of vision and he thinks I've got a chance to murder the man who, or kill the man who murdered my father. Mm. But I can't kill him because he's kneeling at a, an altar mm. praying. Mm -hmm. And if I kill him while he's praying, he's going to go to heaven. And mm -hmm. I'm just describing this to a bunch of non-academic English students mm -hmm. in a non-academic stream because uh, we were talking about people being insincere and deceitful, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And I, So Hamlet's dad was murdered by this guy. Would you kill him? You know, you could get revenge right now. Well, but Hamlet's conflicted. He can't do that right now because he's praying. And I said, but here's the catch, guys. Claudius, Hamlet can't hear him, but King Claudius is saying, I shouldn't have murdered my brother, but I like being king. Mm. I shouldn't have married my brother's wife, but I kind of like being married to her. Mm. Uh, I shouldn't have done, but I like it. And then he finishes with, my words fly up, my thoughts remain below, words without thoughts never to heaven go. Mm. So Hamlet didn't kill him when he had the chance because he didn't want to send him to heaven. Claudius wasn't really sincere mm. when he was there anyway, 
probably wouldn't have gone to heaven anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but And the kids are like, oh, that's what you mean by, mm-hmm. well, it isn't what I mean. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And they make the connection. Now, when another kid, when a kid 20 years later says, hey, do you remember when you were talking about in a Facebook post? And you kind of go, ah, they got mm-hmm. the concept. Mm-hmm. That's that's where rich learning takes place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. What you're talking about too is as well as is how do you read really complex texts like Hamlet and make sure we're organizing it around concepts such as sincerity and, and insincerity, uh, for example. But those are that's exactly it. We want to we want to make sure whatever it is we're doing, we want to sh- be explicit about the organizing ideas that this is illustrating and really helping students to see this is an example of this organizing idea and get them start talking about other examples in their lives where else have you seen it and then they'll do it they'll start coming in saying you know what miss miss because i live i live in latin america so kids all call me miss 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 i saw something you've got to see it's related to what we were just talking about and so that's the holy grail right when students come to us and say i've got something or i saw something i was talking with my mom and this reminded me of what we're talking about in class that's what we're looking for i drew this painting for you it's like this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's what our teachers will say students will engage so much more in the conversation because they can bring about their personal experience and background knowledge to that situation Mm -hmm. and there's lots of collaboration that happens in these classrooms Mm -hmm. one of my favorite examples of that that i think i've shared here in grasslands i was doing a lesson about habitats and I was talking about the criteria of habitats given these examples of habitats and a student says to me I have a question my pool in my backyard is broken so we drain the water out of it but rainwater came in and it got all dirty so it all got turned all brown but I noticed the other day there's some tadpoles in there is that a habitat so we said okay what's our criteria for a habitat it is it a unique environment yes does it support animal life yes is that animal life dependent upon that unique environment yes your broken dirty pool in your backyard is a habitat Um, and so that's just like classic example that i love to share about students starting to say wait a second we're talking about this in class i can think of my backyard is this an example of the concepts that we're talking about beautiful Mm-hmm. That leads in nicely into what I have as the last question, though. I'll give you two the last word uh, beyond that. But assurance is a really big rock in, in education in Alberta. Um, marks, level of preparation for life, high-stakes exam scores, all of those things factor into it. What are your thoughts around the level of assurance this approach can provide for students, parents, school trustees, government, society at large, uh, Mm -hmm. when this is the approach you take to learning and teaching? Absolutely. That's a very good question. And the research is clear. I mean, everything that I look at from cognitive science to these job reports, future of the economy, everything that I look at, it's not going to say concepts or it's not going to say concept based necessarily. Sometimes it does say conceptual understanding or, or, or concepts, but it's talking about transfer. It's talking about students being able to organize their learning. That's what distinguishes experts from beginners in any field, any field from, from 
farming. Um, I actually had these boards of trustees the other day doing a concept sort of organization around farming or hockey. I let them choose um, because that's an area where they've got some expertise and they were able to see how what I'm asking teachers to do with students is what they do naturally anyway when they build expertise. And so we've we've seen studies from one I shared today was from 1908. Um, I just keep seeing it over and over again. We can use sort of the research on teaching and learning, which is from the past, and we can use even the same approach to to address these concerns about the future, these concerns about the future of our world, our planet, our economics, our communities. Um, when we take a conceptual approach, students, the learning lasts, the learning's deep, and the learning allows them to use what they've learned in new and innovative ways. And so that to me is just a no-brainer. Um, if we do this well, let me cl- give the <laughs> yeah. clarifier here. If we do this well, there is no doubt that students will do well on any assessment we throw at them. I'm not concerned about that. Um, and they'll be able to apply their learning in unique ways. And the ultimate goal is they'll become lifelong learners because we're teaching them how to recognize patterns in the world around them, how to um, bring forth their understanding each time they come into a new situation, how they're looking to refine their understanding in this new situation. We're teaching them how to do that. And so they'll be able to handle anything that sort of comes their way. And so that's why I'm, I'm definitely um, reassured by everything that I read on teaching and learning and, and the future of, of what our students need to be able to do. Well, and I always appreciate that Julie does bring the research in. However, We can just say to our teachers, what's the evidence? And they can tell us by one lesson if they're having students attain a concept or by a unit or over time, because it's our second year working with Julie, how our students are having different conversations, know concepts to a deeper level, and are able to transfer that to various situations within their life or within different subject areas. So the research is great, but we have that right here too within our classroom that students are learning to a different level now. Absolutely. What's so cool is now I've worked on every continent and in every single different setting um, for wealthy students, uh, poorer students, definitely students who, who are in rural settings, students in urban settings, and students who speak different languages at home than the language that's taught in the schools and and it works that's I love that you say that because now at this point in my life I've got enough of my own eyes seeing it happen in so many different settings and so that that's what keeps me going that's what you know inspires me propels me and and I often say give me those teachers who are concerned let me sit with them let me talk with them because by the end of a 20-minute conversation they're like okay this makes sense every single time so i know that it works and um that when teachers sort of see the the light bulb moments as you were mentioned earlier going off with their students it you know there's no turning back it's it's so great i'll also say that uh kind of a traditional approach we turn kids off school at Mm. such an early Mm. age and what i'm seeing now is all students engaged within their learning which is phenomenal Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Phenomenal and fun. It is yes. fun. Learning is fun. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I was saying to the grade two teachers that I was sitting with this afternoon, you know, if you want to explore a concept, just ask a, a question and then let them show them something and let them ask questions. In the questions they ask, you'll find all kinds of concepts and, and definitions and things to chase and explore moving forward, which is what you want. 
like you we we knock the why out of out of them traditionally like think of how many hands go up when you ask a question in a kindergarten grade one class bam then get to a grade four grade five class yeah grade seven that's I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the things that I think is so important and why I've I've sort of shifted my focus to these conceptual relationship questions and definitely these index cards and having students sort um, their their understanding of all of these concepts and the reason is twofold on one hand you've got teachers who are like you know what I don't know the why I don't know the for example the mathematics behind the relationship between multiplication division fractions proportional reasoning I don't even know and you've got other teachers who have expert blind spot they they know it so well that like you said they can't even put themselves back in the shoes of a beginner so they kind of don't even know what students are misunderstanding so I say to them look you've either extreme of, of teachers I just say just ask the students you have them work in small groups you make sure that your teaching is rich enough to where they they understand sort of the basics and then you just watch them take off because what happens time and time again is I just ask the kids how are these concepts related they will give you answers that will blow your mind this happens from kindergarten all the way up through grade 12 with some of my teachers who are feel less secure about their their content knowledge and some of the teachers who feel really secure about their content knowledge both sets of teachers they, they will come to me and say, Julie, let me show you what my students said. They'll show me video or they'll show me um, even paragraphs that students have written. And it is, it is jaw dropping. If you p pose it to the students and you ask them what, wh how are these things related? It's 100% of the time is gonna blow your mind of what they say. I just wanna add too, cause he said, oh, we'll just learn a little bit more and learn a little bit more, but it's also about doing it and yes. taking that risk in the classroom. And I'm just so proud of the Grasslands teachers who are taking that risk and doing that in the classroom to learn more. Cause then when we have the collaboration days, the conversations are very rich about what do we need to do next. And we're seeing that all around the region and, uh, and around the provinces, folks take it on even as some of the work around like there's a there's a difference between curriculum and pedagogy mm -hmm. and this is a pedagogical practice this is pedagogy that, yep. uh, that applies and, and a lot of people in the state say pedagogy but <laughs> I mean, there we go whatever mm -hmm. that's the albertan accent right there <laughs> but uh you know as people take this and and just work your way through it it doesn't really matter what you're teaching i, I use the same principles teaching what we call primary which is a little kids teaching at church on sunday Mm. You know, we're just going to touch on this one concept today. Mm -hmm. And what does this look like and what doesn't it look like? I didn't have index cards, but we were still sorting mm -hmm. uh, around, you know, what is forgiveness mm -hmm. as a concept. Mm -hmm. And I kind of chuckled to myself because I thought, well, I should have I wrote that down for Julie as an example. But it doesn't matter. That's you know, exactly right. The dinner just, table or whatever, just, all of the things with your kids, same thing. You're just mm -hmm. teaching it as life. That's right, yep. and just get in there and try it out. That's yep. for sure. I mean, just try try out different ideas, and 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 that's how your learning is going to grow for sure. I'm also glad you said Julie's been doing this for many many years, and so we're on the journey, and it's great to have her with us and have that expert advice. And we're new into it, so the teachers who are finding it challenging and tough, it should be challenging and tough, sure. and that's part of the learning journey and getting out of the learning pit, as you say. Well, crawling is challenging yes. and tough. Yeah. <laughs> that was hard work too. <laughs> Everything's, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Embrace it. 
Well, thank you so much, both of you, uh, Rayanne and Julie, for your time today, uh, joining us on this SAPDC uh, broadcast, uh, podcast. Tons of fun. Absolutely. Re thanks for having me. And thanks to Rayanne. Sh super shout out to Grasslands for being an amazing partner. I couldn't ask for better. You guys are awesome. Well, thank you. Do we get to sing now? Like now, oh, are we right, singing? Right now? Yeah. Is this it? <laughs> which, uh, which song? A wimble up, a wimble up, a wimble up. It's in the jungle. Yes. In, in the, the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. Okay, that might be a high point. <laughs> All thank right. you. Thank you very much I for hosting us. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much and uh, safe travels. Thank you. Thanks. Stay awesome, everybody. Mm.